you can hear something that's clashing or banging or whatever it is, it's because there just isn't a quiet place in the Amway Center. So we're podcasting this episode of Wizards After Dark from a random hallway here in Orlando. The Wizards just lost 117-108. They're now 2-9. and nine. They were down 25 at one point. They came back. They cut it to one in the fourth quarter. Uh, John Wall finished with, what did he have? 19 points, 12 assists. Bradley Beal had 27-6. and six. But they just couldn't defend again. I'm Fred Katz, host of Wizards After Dark. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. And I'm here with Ben Standing, first-time guest, long-time Wizards beat, beat reporter, beat writer, beat whatever. Just beat. That's like this team right now. Beat. <laughs> We're so beat. By the way, can I just say that my favorite part of this whole day is just finding out seconds ago that the Wizards lost 117-108 and the Go-Go won their first ever game 117-108. Like, how do we – I feel like there needs to be some sort of prop. I, so, somehow somebody in Vegas needs to have won on this. I don't know how – I don't know what happens, but that's amazing. It's the first sign of cohesion within the Wizards organization this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, good good sign for the for, for the G League. Bad sign for the, for the, for the real team. Uh, also, uh, first, thank you for having me on the podcast. Second, thank you for uh, – I've been needing a fix. The, 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 I haven't had done a podcast of, of my own in – I don't know, the two weeks since we closed up the other site, and I'm, like, starting to shake. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about this team. Yeah, so Ben, if you don't know him, formerly of the Sports Capital, now of NBC Sports Washington, uh, has been covering the Wizards for a number of years, longer than I have. And so Ben's going to have thoughts here. I'm going to have thoughts here. We're going full Wizards-centric on this. We don't need to talk about how promising Mobamba's career is. Let's, uh, what the hell is, like, here's, here's what's crazy. They, we watch them, and we know the the issue is effort, right? And I'm always very wary of talking about effort as a problem with teams that I cover because it's an indictment of character. And I never want to say a guy's not trying. Uh, I remember when I went to camp, I called a guy out, and a, we were having color war. And I told the guy I he— I love color war, by the way. Color war was great. Yeah. And I was, I was 13 or 14 years old. And I accused him of not trying. And he flipped out on me. He was like, you never accuse somebody of not trying unless you know they're not trying. You know I'm out here. I'm, I'm, working, I'm, working my, I'm working my butt off. Like, what are you talking about? We got into a big fight. And it's not a thing that, like, you do unless you know that it's really happening. And we go in the locker room after every game. And they're like, the issue is just effort. And I'm talking to Marquise Morris. I'm like, if the issue is effort... The only thing, like, the effort should be the easiest thing in the world to fix. All you have to do is just, like, give effort. Right. It's not like you're trying to do something you can't do. Anyone can give effort in anything. And it is just unbelievably weird that it continues to happen. It, 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 it is. I think, you know, for me, like... I go back so from the start of the season. So if you, you know, everybody keeps talking about right now that the the, the record they have now is a comparable to the record they had at the start of the 2016-17 season, and they won 49 games. Have lived through both experiences. It doesn't feel the same at at, at all. But that 2016-17 season, it was the first year with Brooks, and they had just missed the playoffs the year before with the 500 record. You felt that they were coming to that season with urgency, and even though they started off that with that record. The urgency was there. It was the first time under Scott Brooks. The starters were playing well. The bench was not. They would constantly blow leads, and that was kind of the part of what was happening. So I thought this season, 
after last year's, they made the playoffs, but disappointing 43 wins. They talk about the frustration. They want to contend. All that stuff you felt, I felt, here they go. They're going to get, at least their spirit will be up. We'll see if all the pieces work. I certainly was among the people worried about Dwight Howard, but okay. And I remember the very the first preseason game. They had talked all summer, all, all preseason about they're not going to talk. They're not going to talk. The first preseason game in the second quarter, three technical fouls. Uh, Morris gets ejected. And I looked at this going, hmm, this seems weird. You're losing your focus in a silly preseason game when you've talked about need to, 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 to get going again. And I'm thinking you're going to have this to happen. And then we start the season. And that's the thing that's frustrated me the most. They stink on defense. Okay. I don't know. The, you, you can you can tactically try to fix some things, not making shots that will come around. But the the, the lack of urgency, I can't comprehend how this isn't there. For, there's a bunch of guys who are free agents. You'd think they would have it. Um, again, all the you know John Wall's coming off a year he missed half the season, and people are sort of down on him. You look at all those preseason lists of where he ranks among the top 100 players. He's not close to the top 10 or 15, which is where he thinks. You'd think there'd be urgency. I don't know. It's not there, and that to me is the most baffling part of the losing. Whatever. You could have the same record with more, whatever you want to call it, effort, trot, whatever. It's not there consistently, and that is something that has just been baffling me this whole season. Yeah, it is It is unbelievably weird, and it's, it's funny coming over from covering Russell Westbrook teams every year when I was covering the Thunder. And it was such a different vibe after games, after losses, during games, watching them. Like, those teams weren't going to do this. And it is just, it's just like, it's really weird. And on top of all of that, you heard a lot coming into this stretch of games right now. They have seven game, or seven consecutive games against teams that are like, not necessarily definite non-playoff teams. Miami can make the playoffs. I think Miami will make the playoffs. But teams that are winnable games for good teams, seven straight. And then after that, they got seven straight really hard ones. And they had to do well in this stretch in order to do well, I think. Because after that, they got seven seven straight against Portland. They got Toronto. They've got New Orleans twice. I mean, they've got good teams, all playoff teams in that seven-game stretch. In this one they're going through right now, they have the Knicks. They have Dallas. They have Orlando twice. They've already started this one and two now. Uh, they've got a couple other. They got Miami is the toughest team they face. They play them on the second half of a back-to-back on Saturday. Uh, they have some bad teams. They got Cleveland. Like they had to do well here because if they go into that seven-game stretch against good teams, they've only got four wins or something. Where all of a sudden we're talking about like a potential six and sixteen start, a five and seventeen start, and like even if they're playing well, like a good team in that seven-game stretch could end up going three and four. Like we're we're talking about like a seriously problematic start to where now it's just it doesn't matter how much you want to come back you can change the effort and you're just capped at 39 wins even if you do. Well, it doesn't it feel like this game tonight is sort of symbolic of where they are as a season because they get down by 25 points, they come back to get all the end of one, but but then Orlando gets an 8-0 run to close it out. It wasn't enough. Okay, two and nine, fine. You can reel off four wins in a row and start to feel good, but like you said, you can't afford. There's no more. You, you have to win these games, you, especially like you said, this stretch right now. So if they, they may be putting themselves in a position just like this game where they get too far back, like you're saying, and then they can't come back. And I think that's a reality we all have to start at least pondering for real. Because if they can't win these games, the, 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 yeah, you're right. I mean, 
you look, this has been this thing, this team the last few years. They, they they play up to the competition, play down to the competition, but there's no playing down to the competition right now. They are the down to the competition. I was looking at the East standings. Okay, it's early, but but if you look at the East, it's sort of self-sorting right now, the way you would think, because the top seven teams, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Indiana, we figured they would be kind of in one of those spots. Detroit, we thought would be sort of in the mix of the eight. Uh, Charlotte, Miami, kind of seven or eight. Okay, those were sort of like, other than the Wizards, those are the teams we all thought would be in contention. The bottom teams, okay, Brooklyn's tied with Miami, but Orlando, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Cleveland, and Washington, all those teams at the bottom are there. So in other words, everybody is playing to form, and at some point may have to look at the Wizards and be like, hey, if you keep losing, you are playing to form. And this is, we can't just sit here and keep saying, they're going to get this right, they're going to get this right. At some point, like you said, it's getting too late. It's not there yet. But it's hard to see how, at the way this is going, again, I mean, how do you come, they had two days off after a bad loss in Dallas, two days off, lose to Orlando? Okay, to get down by 25 points to the to the lowest scoring team in the league? Get out of here. <laughs> Orlando averaged 100.9 points per 100 possessions coming into this game. They were 29th in the NBA. They scored 117 points per 100 tonight, which per, for perspective, if that belonged to a team for a full season, will be second in the NBA behind Golden State. So they turned the second worst offense by efficiency in the NBA into the second best offense by efficiency. And that's the problem with the defense right now. I mean, the the communication just isn't there. Like, there, there are rotations that they are just not making. Like, they'll, they'll stop a guy. John Wall talks about after the game, like, you got to guard your guy one-on-one. I actually don't think that's the problem. I don't agree with him. I, I think... Guys kind of are guarding guys one-on-one. I love the sounds of the arena after game. But can, can I say, like, the amount of times I would, like, do a podcast some random place at Capital One Arena, it just never fail. Like, I would do it in the, in the media room where we talked to Scott Brooks, like, an hour after the game. You think it's clear? I swear, in, like, two minutes, no matter what time, somebody would open the door to, like, bring in noisy chairs and start clanking. <laughs> it always happens. It's unbelievable. I know. That just happened right well, now. Well, people who listen to this podcast know it happens every single podcast. It's, it's like, what time is it right now? It's it's 11.55. And I don't – those were, like – They were, like, eight-year-old Eight-year-old kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Why are there eight-year-old kids <laughs> walking through an empty yeah, arena they just sleeping and getting ready to go at midnight. Tomorrow. What's going on? Yeah, there? what is happening? Uh, I don't even remember. Oh, right. John Wall talks about, like, you got to guard your own man. You got to guard one-on-one. You have to have some pride guarding your man one-on-one. It's like, that's not the problem. They're guarding one-on-one fine. The problem is when somebody brings a screen into the equation and nobody communicates or somebody communicates and calls a switch when they're not supposed to call a switch or somebody doesn't react to a communication or somebody just doesn't really try and makes a lazy rotation or somebody doesn't communicate on the rotation or whatever it is and, like, that's how they're giving up all these cutting lanes. That's how they're giving up these driving lanes. That's how they're giving up these open jumpers. Like, that's what the problem is. The problem is like the lack, the 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 cohesion that the scores of the GoGo and Wizards games have tonight. They they just don't have that on defense. Like it is, it is really difficult to watch because it's difficult to watch not because it's bad. It's difficult to watch because it's as the communication and effort is as absent now as it was at the start of the season. There's just been no change. You know, I mean, you keep, I, I forget what game it was. I want to say it was, was it the Thunder game? I, uh, well, what, uh, the first, yeah, the Thunder game, the first game back after the road trip, the disaster road trip. You're coming home and look, obviously the Thunder, good team, all that, but like, 
okay, here, this is the game. If the standard story are for almost any team, but the team, this team in particular, you have this bad stretch, you come home, you do the right things for four quarters, you get a win, you feel better about yourself, and you kind of march on. And then they got smoked. <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, well, this is not the story. And then I think it's going to keep happening. And then it keeps happening. They just lost to a 2-7 and seven team in da- against Dallas two days off to come to a, an Orlando team that's a likely lottery bound again. And they do it again. So it, 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 we've reached a point where, like, I, clearly whatever Scott Brooks is doing is not getting through to them. But clearly he, I mean, if he's not ex- going through these defensive scenarios on the regular with them, then it's coaching malpractice. So I'm going to assume that they're discussing these things. And yet it's blatant um, gaffes. Like the Aaron Gordon had two dunk attempts. One, one of the, the, the greatest missed dunk of all time. The ball bounced off the rim. Like went, like, the ball went higher than uh, the, like the, the whatever it is, the scoreboard. The middle <laughs> right. that hangs down. The ball went higher yeah. than that. Yeah. It was so high. So he did that, and then he had another dunk later. But in both cases, he was able to go for the dunk because – the, the the Red Sea parted, and he went right down the middle because whoever was switching on him or whatever completely lost track of him, and he went down the middle. They got fed, and, and you watch those replays, and you're just like, what, what is happening here? You know, once a game, okay, this happens regularly. And, and, and then on top of it, you know, you, 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 in, in any kind of defense, you're like, okay, look, we have to guard the three-point line, right? This is the problem. You're dealing with Golden State. Guard the three-point line. They're too aggressive. They go back to war on you. Okay, that's sort of the price you pay. You, do, you, go, you, you, you try to uh, stop the paint. You keep a foot in the lane. You maybe give up a three. They're giving up all of it. They're giving up open threes and the wide open lane. So it really, it, it's just, uh, it, it is just insane. Um, but but here is, I guess, my thing on this whole thing at this point. I mean, I I, I don't even know where I put blame anymore because it's just it's just going crazy. But the one thing that I also find frustrating is that Scott Brooks is not changing. The lineup. Fine, he may technically shuffle, shuffle the, the, the who comes in when, but like for the most part, it's the same ten guys out there. He's not doing anything different. He's not putting in Troy Brown or Thomas Bryant or Jason Randall for that matter. He's just going with these same guys over and over again. And at some point, you ha- I just think the only if the message you're sending is not getting through, you have to bench somebody. You have to change something. Change the start. Start the second half with somebody different. You were down a, a ton of points again. Do something. He's not doing any of that, and maybe it won't work. I, I don't know, but like to not do anything at some point, it's just like, well, then if you just keep expecting them to fix it when they're not, then I don't know what to say anymore. You have to try something different, and it can't just be like Teddy. They put Sadoransky ahead of Kelly Oubre in the first quarter to essentially play the three. Okay, but that, that lasted for a minute, and then, then Oubre came in. And it didn't matter. You have to do something. So I'm not. This, I'm not saying bench any one player in particular. I'm going to have some thoughts, but I'm not saying bench anybody in particular. You have to do something, though. If it's going like this, screw it. Put Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, start them. Do something, because this is not working. Yeah, you know, I'm usually not a big proponent of, like, just do something. Who cares? Just (laughs) do it for the sake of it. But I kind of agree. Like, you kind of have to do something. Um, I do agree in shaking up the rotation. I mean, you watch what happened with the Boston game last night. Boston was down 19 or 20 at the half to Phoenix. And those were established players that are coming off the trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they got all-stars on that team. And they got egos on that team. And they're down like 19. Their offense has really struggled to start the year. They're bottom five in the league in offensive efficiency with all that talent. And they're losing to Phoenix, who's the worst team in the NBA right now. 
and Brad Stevens comes out in the second half, and Jason Tatum is coming off the bench, and Marcus Smart is starting the second half. And he does that because of one bad, one bad game from that team. And Boston comes back, and they win. And I'm not saying that Boston came back and they won because Brad Stevens benched Jason Tatum for a half. And Jason Tatum is not out of the rotation, and he's not even out of the starting lineup. It was just a mid-game adjustment. But the rotational adjustments aren't there. Like, this is a far, far more dire situation than what's happening with Boston. Like, Boston's got a good record and is top four in the East and is, like, in a good situation and is going to be fine. Like, I don't know that this team is going to be fine at all. This team could end up playing how it's supposed to. Like, let's say that we thought a lot of people picked them at 45 wins to start the year. Let's say that they just start playing like a 45-win team. Well, then they're going to end up a 39-win team now because of this start. Like, that's how this goes. So this team is not at all guaranteed to end up fine, even if they turn it around tomorrow and play like the team that they're supposed to be. Um, So, yeah, like some sort – if your issue is energy, like I promise you Troy Brown is going to play with energy. He might not play well at all. But he's going to play with energy. Thomas Bryant's going to play with energy. Like, they might stink it up. Right. Look, I mean, Jordan McCray scored 41 tonight, point for the go-go. I know that's not something that he transfers to the NBA. But just bring him back up and play him. I mean, the, the guys who are on the go-go level, they're going to play hard. And, you know, we, we all can sort of joke about, like, oh, the, you know, just the go-go are better than, you know, the Wizards. I'm sure people make those kind of jokes or whatever. Screw it. That, uh, you know what? I can, I'm with you. I don't just say make, make change for the sake of change. But if we are talking about effort – well, this isn't as complicated. This isn't that complicated. Then go find the guy who will actually give you that. And I, I guarantee Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, Jordan McCray, Jason Randall, they will give you that. Because if they're not, well, then they are crazy dumb <laughs> for where they're at. So they're going to go ahead and run around because they don't know, they, they got nothing else to do. You have to do something. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I would I would throw a Troy Brown in there. Look, here's the other thing. Troy Brown was the 15th pick in the draft for a team that – didn't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. I think the Wizards ultimately, even though things aren't working out great, the, 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 what getting Jeff Green, getting Dwight Howard for the value that they got, pretty reasonable moves. Um, but they didn't have a lot of assets going in, so they had the 15th pick in the draft before free agency. You have to assume that that 15th pick is going to be in your rotation on some level based on the fact that you didn't have a lot to work with. He's barely played. I think other than, like, Jerome Robinson, who's thir- the 13th pick for the Clippers, and he's on the team that's got – they're really deep. He hasn't really played either, but for the most part, they're like the only two guys who haven't played, except for like a couple rookies at the very tail end of round one. Their second round picks are playing way more than Troy Brown. I'm not saying play Troy Brown for the sake of playing him. I'm saying you drafted him 15th. You had to assume he might be playing to not use him at this point, especially when you're two and nine. I don't even understand that. (laughs) Honestly, like it, it makes no sense. Why would you not? You had to assume he was going to play. And if you didn't, then honestly, you probably should have either traded out to get other assets uh, I'm not even, I'm not, and I like Troy Brown. I think he's a pretty interesting player. But like, if you were, if your plan wasn't to use him, the 15th pick is a pretty freaking high pick to not have to have a guy not play. So it, that doesn't make any sense either. So put it all together, he should be playing. You know who actually kind of played hard tonight? Tonight, uh, Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers went hard on defense. Austin Rivers took one shot in 23 minutes. This is like a wild, under talked about development. Actually, I shouldn't say under-talked about because that implies that, like, we should be talking more about Austin Rivers' shot totals when, like, there are 587 things that we really should be talking about more. But it's an unexpected thing. 
Austin Rivers took one shot in 24 minutes, 23 minutes. I don't have the season numbers in front of me right now because I'm standing in a hallway outside the media room and holding a packet with tonight's box score. But Austin Rivers' usage rate, yeah, take out the phone. Look up Austin Rivers' usage rate. Austin Rivers' usage rate is wildly low. Austin Rivers' reputation, and granted, he has gotten better at this. He's not like a ball hog who just chucks up shots anymore. But Austin Rivers has never lacked confidence in his entire life. And he's just not getting shots. He's not putting up the ball. He's not He's not getting the opportunity to shoot because he's not touching it very often in the lineups that he's playing in. The offensive fit with him is just not there. It's like a, just another part of the lack of cohesion that this roster has, you know? And it's, it is amazing because I've watched Austin his whole career. And it's, it's just amazing to see a guy who has had such confidence in himself and who's one of his major offensive criticisms has been shoots way too much. Just not shoot the ball ever. Where, where are we on the usage rate right now? So John Walls at t- leads at 28.0, Bradley Beal 26.2, yada, yada, yada. Austin Rivers 11th at 13.4. 13% usage. I mean, Jan Mahimi's at 12.9 for comparison's sake. Austin Rivers' usage rate is the same as Jan Mahimi's. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and okay, so again, this goes sort of my thing about what, what is the plan? What is Scott Brooks looking to do? You're right, so something's wrong with Austin Rivers. Granted, he is playing hard. One thing is noticeable I, I, I found in these games where they look bad. The one guy who always stands out is Kelly Oubre because I, I've, just, I've just determined that Kelly Oubre, he doesn't, it, it is irrelevant what's happening around him. Does good, bad, it doesn't matter. He's just going to go one speed all the time. That's sometimes good, sometimes not good. But it stands out in the games where they look somewhat lethargic. And he, and, but Austin Rivers tonight, I thought, joined him a little bit in showing some, especially on the defensive end. But it's not working. I thought he and Sadoransky looked in preseason. I thought that looked like a pretty interesting pairing. Sadoransky, also not a not complete non-factor. Okay. Ooh, maybe switch that up. I, 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 going into this game, I think it was something like uh, Sadoransky and Rivers together – had like a um, like a minus twenty two net rating in like a hundred minutes, which is still small, but like well, it's not that small for for where we're at. Yet, yet Scott Brooks keeps going with that. Seems like why, why not? And, and yet Rivers and John Wall had like a positive net rating, whatever the minutes. Why not just one game? Okay, this is what we're gonna do. Austin Rivers is gonna come in and play with John. Brad will play with Sadoransky, and we'll see how that works. Do I mean? Something has to give, but if we're just going to keep doing the same thing, we asked Bradley Beal. I'm not sure if you, I think you were there, but um, I asked Bradley Beal. We, you know, I'm sure if I had you had the answer as to how to fix the defense, you would do it. So I'm not going to ask you what's the answer. But what do you even say at this point? He basically just said, um, you know, it's like that saying, you know, the definition of insanity. You know, and that's where I feel where we're at. Like if if these guys are continuing to struggle to not shake it up, just to do something different, just does not make. A lot of sense to me. So yeah, Austin Rivers. He's playing hard. He's not. He's playing. He's, he's willing to sacrifice his shots apparently to play defense because that's where they are struggling. And yet, clearly need him to score. And why would you not try to shake things up? So uh, yeah, it, it's it's just another mystery to me. What is wrong with him? I talked to him the other day too. It's clear that he's is at a loss as to what's going on. But at the same point, <laughs> not shaking it up and doing something different with him. 
um, among other players, it, I don't I don't know. I'm just sort of at a loss. Yeah, he's there, in too. a weird place. He's yeah. clearly in a weird place, like mentally. He's just I don't think he knows his role. Which seems weird. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It seems weird, especially when they're giving him the all bench lineup. Uh, something else I constantly don't like, but like. Fine. You have Austin Rivers. This is where he thrives. He was one of the top isolation players in the league last year. Um, you know, we watched when they played the Thunder the other day, and you have then a shooter out there. It was an all-bench lineup with OKC was using, but you have Schroeder. You don't really view it that way. I wouldn't put Rivers necessarily at the same level as Schroeder, but I mean, last year he was a legitimate starter in the league. So you kind of think, okay, the Wizards have that, and he has not played at that level at all. So you would think that he would be have some opportunity to do it, but something there is not working at all. So. Um, Again, to, to keep trying the same things over and over again, <laughs> I, 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 I just don't even know what to say anymore because where I think the players are at. This team is making you lose your mind. Uh, any, anything else? Anything else that we should talk about before we go that I didn't bring up? Uh, boy, I, I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, there's a lot of outside noise right now about what, what, what do you do with this team. And, and I think that is sort of the other thing. We are only 11 games into the season, so it's way too early for – anybody to be like, oh, well, they have to make this trade. I mean, you can't, you know, if we're talking about hypothetically trading the bigger names on the team, you can't rush into a trade like that. You have to figure out the best scenario. Uh, at the same point, with all the free agents that they have, the fact that we are in this point, like, it, I, maybe it's not today, maybe it's not tomorrow, maybe it's not Thanksgiving, maybe it's not Christmas. But I it's, hope it's not Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Any but, day but Thanksgiving. Oh, well, yeah. I want to have, have my turkey and Oh, that what day is suck. Thanksgiving this year? Do we have the date? November. Well, we have the date. Yeah. November November twenty second. Okay, my birthday is the next day, so t- it's typically right this year. So definitely not Thanksgiving. I hope it's the day after. I hope it's Black Friday. Yeah, fine. <laughs> that, that, that's I don't do the shopping anyway, so I'll be uh, I'll be. Well, no, there. that's your birthday. Oh, my birthday is the Black Friday. Oh yeah. Uh, shit. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't do that. I don't really care about my birthday per se, but no, don't do that. Um, but like, I, you know, it just it, it, at some point. I, you know, I guess I guess it's not for discussion for today per se, but it does become a point of, well, if it, what I mean, if if you can't figure out the solution on the court, if you can't actually figure out how to solve this communication problem, if the effort be, remains a thing, and you die at, at some point, then you really do have to consider making a trade. I, again, I wouldn't make it for the sake of making it, especially if you're talking about assets. I mean, this is an important thing. This isn't just even this year; it's going forward. You can't. You don't want to make things worse or whatever, but at the same point, I, I, I think that's got to be starting to become a closer, become a good topic. I think the outside noise, the national pundits of a certain uh, certain people we know, uh, are maybe going a little too much. But at the same point, uh, I think it's something we have to all start really thinking about more than uh, than not. I do appreciate the possibility, and when I say the possibility, to be clear. To all the people who are listening, this is not me reporting this is going to happen. This is me just making a joke. It would be great if there was actually a trade on Black Friday. Any trade. Just make a trade on Black Friday or a signing or anything. Any sort of transaction on Black Friday would just be perfect. Would, 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 they be, would there be something like... Oh, well, it's just tra- the biggest, the biggest shopping dis- day of the year. Trade somebody at a discount. Yeah, be, there's so many possible leads. It would be awesome. I'd be so happy about that. All right, got to get to Rose Barn now. Um... Plug your stuff before we go. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Now you got a new gig. You got to plug it. At, uh, at, at Ben Standing on Twitter, just follow me. I, I'm, and 
uh, the NBC Sports Washington thing is weird. I've been working for them since 2010, so it doesn't feel like I've, I've been freelancing. So it doesn't feel like this is new, but I'm just doing all stuff there now. It was, like, it's weird. I, I used to do everything there, then I did now I'm back. But yeah, that's where I'm at. So Ben does a great job on the beat. Uh, I will be back with another episode of Wizards After Dark uh, in Miami tomorrow night. Do you have a better? Do you have like a restaurant picked out for your podcast there, or are you going to do like another random hallway? Like it feels like in Miami, you need to do. Like it feels like it should be done. Like, do it from Prime One Twelve, something like that. Like it should be like a club or like some right. sort of a scene. I'll be. To. I should do a Wizards After Dark from Rose Bar at some point. That that's got to be the move. I can do. I can do it from Live tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, I'll either do it from. The uh, is it the American Airlines Center or American Airlines Arena? I was messing up. One is Dallas, one is Miami. Yeah, whatever. From an American Airlines building, I'll be podcasting from there after the game. Uh, if you're just listening to this episode randomly and you enjoyed Wizards After Dark, I promise we're not this negative of people. But sometimes the situation just drives you into it when you're trying to analyze it. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can give a five star rating if you're feeling super generous. You can. Leave a review, which actually really helps uh, a lot more than you would think in the iTunes stuff. So that would be great as well. Um, Like I said, I'll be back tomorrow in Miami with a guest talking about the Wizards. Maybe it'll be a little bit more of an optimistic podcast after that one. I'll talk to you guys then.